Maybe somebody will take a chamar and just fly it all day and keep flying on the Bhagavatam. I don't know why Bhagavatam is so sweet. <laughs> Actually, no one can give anything to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, for He is full in everything. Sometimes we see a devotee offering Ganga Ganges water to the Ganges. After taking his bath in the Ganges, a devotee takes a palm full of water and offers it back to the Ganges. Similarly, when one takes a palm full of water from the Ganges, the Ganges does not lose anything. And similarly, if a devotee offers a palm full of water to the Ganges, the Ganges does not increase in any way. But by such an offering, the devotee becomes celebrated as a devotee of Mother Ganges. Similarly, when we offer anything with devotion and faith, what we offer does not belong to us, nor does it enrich the opulence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But if one offers whatever he has in his possession, he becomes a recognized devotee. In this regard, the example is given that when one's face is decorated with a garment and sandalwood pulp, the reflection of one's face in a mirror automatically becomes beautiful. The original source of everything is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is our original source also. Therefore, when the Supreme Personality of Godhead is decorated, the devotees and all living entities are decorated automatically. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada translation and purport to the 8th canto, 20th chapter, 21st verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam Mahapurana in the matter of Bali Maharaja surrenders the universe. description now of Bhavana Dev's expansion. Once all the promises and commitments were finished, once everything was signed and sealed and delivered, then now Bhavana Dev is claiming his three steps of land. Just like you may have so many discussions about buying or selling a property, but until you go to the registrar of properties and the owner signs it over to the new per to the purchaser, the deed is not a done deal. It's a registration. So this all these ceremonies of putting the three drops of water in the hand and it's like when someone makes a promise and they shake hands on it or something. There's some kind of definitive statement that, okay, now it's, it's done. 
So this drops of water on the hand, that was to signify that, okay, I'm giving you this, it's, it's done, God is my witness, you can take it two steps of that. So now Vamana Deity expands so gigantically that the whole universe is within his body. Bali, with all of his uh, royal entourage, is watching this uh, exhibition. It's really a must, you know, what a grand show to see the immenseness of Ramanadev, uh, see his expansion, see how everything is within him. I mean, they had to get some kind of spiritual vision. Or not maybe not spiritual, but at least had to get a mystical vision to even be able to observe how expansive Vamana Deva is. Everything was within him. In one sense. But of course then he still showed three steps later on. So Two points I made here by Srila uh, Prabhupada. One is that Bali wanted to give charity. So actually, how can we give charity to somebody who owns everything? Vamadev is the owner of everything. Bali, he was thinking he was a proprietor and he's giving in charity. Or the devotee understands that Krishna is the proprietor of everything. Krishna is the proprietor and we are just caretakers of a certain amount of uh, Krishna's energy on his behalf. We're just given it a kind of a temporary loan. That's why the idea of giving to Krishna, some people think, you know, why should I give to Krishna? But they realize that actually everything they have is already belongs to Krishna. They should give. Because it belongs to Krishna to begin with. It's like their tax. Or actually, if somebody used to Krishna, they're, they're recognizing that Krishna is the proprietor. Even one gives something to Krishna, they can still stay with it in many cases. Just like we offer our food to Krishna, but at the end of the day, usually Krishna leaves the food on the plate. Now Lord uh, Jagannath is on his, uh, what they call, Anavasar. He's an invisible. When that happened with Lord Chaitanya, Lord Chaitanya became so affected that he ran all the way to the nearest Vishnu temple, which was about 20 kilometers away, in a place called Alalanatha. He ran so fast that all the other devotees were trying to catch up, but they were left in the dust. And Lord Chaitanya got there, we had everybody else, 
burning in separation from Lord Jagannath that he couldn't have darshan. I don't know how many of you are burning in separation from the darshan of Jagannath. So you can't imitate. Lord Chaitanya, he was literally burning so much so that when he went and paid obeisances to Alana, he prostrated himself out in front of the altar on this gigantic stone slab. And literally he melted the stone. I'm not kidding you. He melted the stone. After there was like such a Nobody wanted to step, but his whole body print is melted into the stone. Nobody wanted to step on the stone, so they removed it from the temple. And recently, uh, another temple was built for that body stone, a body print. And they put puja there to the body print of Lord Chaitanya. How many have seen that? Yeah. One. Two, three, any ladies? Four. What was your impression? Also impression. It's one of my favorite places, my favorite home place. Really? Yeah. The devotees are doing the one of the, I think, 500 anniversary of Lord Chaitanya, so they fixed the whole place up, but now there's a whole. Big town hall in front of that impression of Lord Chaitanya. Foreign devotees are allowed to go there also and touch the imprint of Lord Chaitanya. It's a very uh, merciful temple. Right on Ananda's house. I have a picture of us visiting the safari back there um, this year. And I had Rai Ramananda's pen that he used to write for scripture with. And also his sword that he had as a governor. So, what an interesting history about this uh, Alalana Bibi. He's a very narrow waist, a very broad chest, very beautiful Vishnu deity, but with shining black. He has four hands. who was worshipping the deity, he, he didn't, uh, he had to go out, it's an emergency. So he only had his son there to do the worship. So he asked his son, will you take the offering to the deity and offer it? Put in front of the deity, will eat it and whatever, then take back the plate to your mother. So the boy came with some different preparations and 
placed it before the deity and said, please take this offering. So the deity didn't move. So the boy started to cry. The deity said, why are you crying? So my father told me you were going to take the offering and you're not taking it. So then the Lord got off the altar and said, now I'm going to make the offering and we'll get back up. So then the boy came back with the empty plate to the mother and the mother looked and said, uh, where's the prasad? Well, the Lord ate the offering.
what's actually happening is we're glorified by giving to the Lord. The Lord is already owns everything. Just like everything in Australia belongs to Australia in one sense. Prabhupada used to say that during the Mughal rule, India's glory didn't decrease because the Mughals came, conquered parts of India, lived in India, built palaces, built a Taj Mahal, built all these things, but they remained ruling in India. So whenever the wealth of India remained in India, but the British, because they'd already been burnt by the Americans, and they saw how the Spanish were burnt by the South Americans, so they decided that they won't let any English live in India. Only a very few English government servants were allowed to be there. The maybe Prophet said the whole India was run by like 200 British. Because they were afraid that if they settled down, lived in India, then pretty soon there was always their own people that declared the independence. And then they would uh, lose India. Something like that. So, they didn't uh, allow the English to uh, stay there very much. Not so many English were living there, a few missionaries, a small amount, not like uh, in America, all English people, right? And in South America, it was all Spaniards. It was the Spaniards in South America who declared a revolution against the mother. The king. So, in India, what happened is that all the wealth of India was sent back to England. Right? The crown jewels of the Queen of England is basically royal jewels from Indian kings. So many things were taken out of it. So, actually, India became impoverished because of this policy of the British to more or less take everything out from India and send it abroad. Otherwise, up to that time, it was one of the richest countries in the world. Christopher Columbus was looking for a route to India. In those days, the black pepper, cloves, and so many other spices, which were worth more than their weight in gold, were produced in India. There was no refrigeration, so in order to preserve meat, they needed these uh, spices. Most of the Western people were meat eaters, so it was an essential thing. So that's why in India, people were going there, making it rich, buying the spices, spices from India, and taking it back. Literally, it was worth more than this way in gold. That's how expensive, how oh, prices was expensive. It was like that. So, that's how India got uh, drained out. Uh, now, Spanish is building up. Take a while. So we take from Krishna we, everything we have Flies were coming. 
the Akrabatikista, and then by doing that, we're the ones who glorify. Recognize that's a genuine devotee. What is what kind of devotee is someone that they don't offer what they have to Krishna? So they said Krishna gives us back. Just like Yudhisthira offered everything to Krishna, but then Krishna gave it back to Yudhisthira, you manage it. It's an interesting example here. It says if you decorate Krishna with a garland, Krishna looks beautiful works, you know, benefited because we're just reflections of Krishna. If you put a garland and look in the mirror, your reflection is also garlanded. So if you're reflections of Krishna, the more you decorate Krishna, the more we get more of it. It's an interesting example, maybe a esoteric. The idea Krishna is source of everything, and since we're the product of Krishna, we're the reflection. We glorify Krishna, we also be glorified. So the devotees, they serve the Lord. Prabhupada said, you serve the greatest and you become great. So it becomes great because of serving the greatest. That's the wonderful thing. Some people they think that this is a mythology, some kind of folk tales. Actually, this the Purana is the history, the Asta and all these sages. They don't have time to waste their own telling kids stories. Not Monty Bhakti set on the wall or something. This is a real history. May seem amazing, it is amazing because Krishna is amazing. It says Abhuta. One of the words to describe the Lord again is Abhuta. Something pretty big. 
the word Abhuta, wonderful. Because the Lord is omnipotent, uh, He can do all these wonderful things. Because the devotee is something amazing. To be expected that the Lord is going to do all kinds of amazing things. Because He's omnipotent, He can do things we can't even imagine. So we want to dedicate ourselves to the Lord's service. We want to be completely absorbed in Krishna. So by manifesting these pastimes, it makes it easy for the devotee to think about him, to appreciate his greatness. smaller than the smallest, bigger than the biggest. He enters into the atom, enters uh, into our bodies, and he's uh, with the spirit soul. So he can be smaller than the smallest, but he can be bigger than the biggest. He also showed a universal form to somebody else. Who did he show a universal form to? Arjuna. Anybody else? Mother Yashoda. Duryoda. Duryoda. Now, Mother Yashoda, she, she saw this form in the world. Akrura. Sanjay. Yes, Same one that he showed to Arjuna. So Mother Yasoda, she was so much uh, in paternal affection that she didn't see. And she saw it, but she couldn't relate to it. She couldn't understand what she's saying. Because she just sees that Krishna is my son. Arjuna, he saw, he appreciated Krishna is Ananda, he was great. I just surrendered to Krishna. Some of his brain, he had some other explanations. 
How he can fight? Against the side that Krishna is supporting. How he can try to capture, wants to kill Krishna. Such a dealer. Krishna makes a universal form in his case. Duryodhana doesn't wake up. So sometimes it's the demons, unless they see some tremendous uh, power of the Lord, they don't accept. But even if they see, they may not be enough. Like, Balram, he threatened the Kurus when they we went to mediate, when they have a capture of Samba, who was it? One of the sons of Krishna was captured. Padumba. Samba. Anyway, one of the, I'm going to check that one out. Some guy, Krishna book. One of the sons was captured, so then. Uh, Balaram offered to go there and mediate because he was friends with Duryodhana and the gurus. So he was saying, oh, look at after all, Krishna is powerful enough to destroy you all. Look at the fighting with energy. But I came here to mediate. Rather than, you know, just have a useless fight, we're all families. But that better just to give back the boy. You know, let's have a nice wedding holidays today. But they didn't accept. You know, they were... Where does this guy all around think he is, you know? We're the Kurus, these people are just, uh, you know, sub-kings, they're not the, we're the emperors. They're really puffed up, so then Balaram said, so these people are so, they started saying very offensive things about Krishna. But Bhima said, it's too much. <coughs> With his plow, he started pulling the, well, he pulled the city. Heading towards the Jamuna, they will pull the whole city right into the river. So when they see the whole city moving, earthquakes, going the houses and stuff, then finally they woke up, they woke up and here. <laughs> so, some people, unless they see, they won't believe. And some, even when they see it, they don't believe. They don't believe. <laughs> but, uh, in this case, the Bali he was seeing and he was uh, believing. So Bali became qualified because he gave to Krishna. He got tricked to give to Krishna, but he gave. He did that. Although it was kind of a trick, but he was given a warning. He was given a chance to go out. But he didn't. He's, he's, he, went with, he went along with it. So it's considered he voluntarily gave. He can't complain. And because he gave, he's being glorified by the whole universe. He's a great person. So people become great, one way is like doing charity.
That's another thing in the grave. That's usually people look at it. Some big box sitting there. Grab that grass! Smash anybody else's face. Or someone jumps the highest in the pole vault. There's the world record. So then they're the greatest. Or somebody wins uh, tennis games or golf games. Or the, so everybody's always planning to be the greatest. But this is all relative. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was just promoting that everybody should surrender to Krishna. In fact, even surrender to Krishna, when that was raised by Ramananda Rai and Chaitanya Charanamrita in their discussion, Lord Chaitanya also said, Iha Bhajya, this is also external. Because even if you Sarva Dharma, Purita, Jaya, surrender everything to Krishna, you're still thinking that this is mine, not giving it to Krishna. Like in this verse, it shows how everything is already Krishna. So what are you surrendering? Actually, just giving up your false sense of proprietorship. So the giving, surrendering everything, and thinking, okay, I surrender everything, is you can then consider that to be as pure. Does it also have this tint or taint of uh, materialistic vision? This is my argument. So you can tell me something more that's really spiritual. And then only when Ramananda and I got to the point simply to glorify Krishna, hearing the glories of Krishna from the pure devotees, that is the transcendental activity. Then he said, Iha this, this, this. Hearing the glories of Krishna from pure devotees is totally transcendental. No sense of false proprietorship there, no sense of everything is fully Christian. This is a very wonderful verse here. 
Describing how the Lord expands Himself or reveals how He is already everything is within Him. It appears like He's expanding the actions. Here there was a king, normally kings tend to think they're the proprietor of their kingdom, and especially He was an absolute monarch, not a constitutional head or anything. So what's telling you? We really told him, I won't see you because you're a king. Bernani saw that this king was sweeping the road in front of Jagannath. Seeing that, his heart changed. Okay. We give this king mercy. It's a big thing that people are sweeping the road. You know. Some people have felt very sensitive about this. In India, street sweepers are considered like the outcast kind of people almost. And on the West, they're called sanitary engineers. <laughs> or sanitary technicians, you know. They're given a nice title. Or in India, you know, they're called untouchables, the sweepers. Uh, so not that everybody would sweep the road, but so the king would, before God, he would sweep the road if there was a, a big statement. I'm your servant. I remember once we were in Bangalore, we had a former vice president of India as our chief guest, and the president announced everything and said that the king, Pratabhuti, used to sweep the road before the Lord. This is a tradition of all these kings. Request. Uh, I will chief guest to leave everybody else. And uh, then the uh, vice president got the microphone. He said, "Well, India is a democracy and a republic. We do not follow monarchy anymore." Expressionist. 
So he had it in the room, you know, and uh, but he held it for like a microsecond. He was he's like, <laughs> but then everybody else, all the light members of the body, all just started sweeping you know, and all the citizens there. Big headline next day in the paper. Vice President refuses to sweep the world before God. <laughs> so it's a big statement that uh, for us, you know, sweeping the world was a big deal, but for the king or vice prime minister or vice president, it's a big deal. I mean, we were in Birmingham, England. And the mayor of the city, the deputy mayor, came at that one time. And uh, he was also requested to sweep the road. He said, normally we mayors don't sweep roads. We have another department for that. Without <laughs> <laughs> respect for your culture, I'll do it. And he said to him, he was so much in, he did it for 45 minutes. <laughs> So because Sivachitani refused to see the king before us, I don't see kings. Kings are materialistic people, I don't see maps, I don't get contaminated. He refused to see him. So in a private audience, just from a distance, the king could see him, but he couldn't really talk to him. But after this humble service to Krishna, the king became glorified in the eyes of Lord Chaitanya. So Lord Chaitanya gave so many blessings. He could see the seven forms of Lord Chaitanya dancing. He could see. Then he got a very special blessing on the advice of uh, Ramananda Rai and Sarvamaracharya. When Lord Chaitanya was taking a rest in the middle of the Ratyatra, there was a place the Rath stops where they offered Boga to the Lord. He's lying in a a slab of stone, they're very tired from a lot of dancing and everything. His eyes are closed. So then Pratavrutaman comes, not just as a king with his silken robes and the crown and everything, but just wearing a white dhoti on each other. It's a tilak. So nobody even knew what the king looked like, you know, that because he's always got to be, you know, trapping time. So you had to pick out what he looks like. There was no, like, uh, pictures in the newspaper, close-up TV shots, you know, you don't really see it. people couldn't get close to him, so most people didn't know what he looked like, really. So he could go right into that assembly and say, come as a humble voice, can I, you know, massage the lotus feet of the Lord? I said, yeah, no problem. Nobody even know who he was. Send my eyes to the Lord, okay. Go ahead, okay. Maybe one or two know, but I mean, like, uh, they didn't say anything. But, uh, so then he is massaging the Lord's lotus feet and he's singing the Gopi Gita from the 10th canto. And uh, when he sang the verse, how oh, that uh, the devotees are glorifying Krishna and tell all the devotees the glories of Krishna, they're Buddha, 
They're the greatest donors, benefactors. But suddenly Lord Chaitanya said, I don't know who you are. But I'm so grateful for giving me these wonderful verses of the Bhagavatam. I want to repay you, but I have nothing. I'm just a beggar. I'm just a mendicant. I'm just a sannyasi. I don't have anything. So, all I can give you is a hug. Then he embraced Prataburdha Maharaj, who, you know, consciousness went to the ceiling. <laughs> now they went as far as Bhavana Dev's form went. And he was you know, really given love of Krishna to embrace him once he came. Because why? Because he did a humble service. We become glorified when we serve the Lord. The devotee thinks, I gave so much to Krishna, what did I get out of it? I didn't get a good TV set. We get opulence and spot. It's still there. <laughs> Over the other side of the room, it's a functional. So, because of his service, the Chapel of the So, when we serve Krishna, it's not that Krishna is benefiting by our service. He's already complete. Doesn't become more complete. He's already He's complete, complete. But by our offering to Krishna, we become glorified. Because then we come into the loop. We're into this now. We're recognized as the devotee of Krishna, so the glories of Krishna reflects on us. So thank all of you devotees for your service to Krishna. Because of that you're all glorified. Any questions? The point is that uh, we have material life, we think we're great because uh, of something that we've done. <clears throat> we've jumped higher, we ran faster, we swam faster, we hit more balls <coughs> into holes, so on and so forth. You know, we, we do something and we're better than other people that we're competing with and then we think we're there better than other people. But in a service to Krishna, it's not a, it's not a thing like that. It's not a competition with other people. Everybody who serves Krishna is, because he's the greatest, those who serve him also become great. 
But the greatness is simply by the reflection of Krishna's mercy. It's for just being in, in, in that association, in the right place at the right time, being there to. It's really the mercy of Krishna. So we see it as the mercy of Guru and Krishna. Not as some very great thing that we've done. We're just doing what we're supposed to do, finally. And for so long we haven't been doing that. Because everywhere in the spiritual world is great, right? It says uh, in the ninth, uh, was the ninth chapter of Bhagavad that everybody in the spiritual world is infallible. There's two kinds of living entities, a fallible and infallible. So we are, uh, yeah, I didn't think it was like, so we're um, in this material world because we're not serving Krishna. If we go back to our original state of serving Krishna, eventually we can also become a fellow. So it's just, a, it's just, you know, there was the use of being proud that we're healthy or getting cured from our disease. We're not even fully healthy. We're still here in the hospital. It's just that we're getting a little, little better. The fever is going down. The, the infection is reducing. Now that we're grateful for the doctor and for the medicines, nothing to be uh, puffed up about. And if we're getting puffed up, it starts smashing the mind. <coughs> Bhakti Siddhanta Saratakta said that the mind. So we should hit our mind every morning hundred times with a broom and the night a hundred times with the shoe or vice and figure what is it? Shoe in the morning, broom at night. <laughs> I'm a little lazy. This morning my mind started doing stupid things, so I just I gave it sixty smashes and then it started to surrender so I I got another 40 to go yet. <laughs> you have to have the mind uh, supposed to serve you. Mind is just, just a subtle machine of the sense of the body. It's like if your hand started to go <laughs> You have a problem with it. But some people actually have like uh, lymphatic or some kind of nerve problem in their hand is, you know, shakes and they can't write. And, uh, so it's a disease. If your senses don't, just do what you want. So the mind is the sixth sense. The mind is supposed to think what we want the mind to think, not all the garbage that it comes up with. So the mind doesn't think what we want. Then you take your shoes and give up Big smashing, it is not abuse of the mind, don't worry. It's mind is anyway not even a living entity. <laughs> it's just a sense. But it's been in control for so long that it thinks it's the boss. We have here some Nepali devotees, and like Nepal, there's the uh, a dynasty. The Mahindra dynasty is on that 
but for some period of time the Prime Ministers were hereditary. And when the Prime Minister became hereditary, there were the Ranas. They actually just took over everything. And the king could have removed them because they were hereditary Prime Ministers. So the kings were actually kept prisoner in their palace, while the Prime Minister were the real de facto king. The Ranas. So the king had to one time declare a revolution against his prime minister, amass his own army and uh, fight against them. And then he became victorious and so now it's back to the kings. Right? Something like that. But of course the next citizens had a kind of revolution and so now it's more of a constitutional monarchy. Which after the previous monarch was killed by his son, then now the new monarch, uh, his uncle, has declared emergency and is uh, using a lot of uh, absolute power. But anyway, that's it. But the point was this Rana was, took over and the king was a captive. Well, that's something like that the prime minister is supposed to serve the king, especially in absolute monarchy. In this case, the mind is supposed to serve us, but the mind becomes so powerful that it wants us to serve the mind. And that we're not going to do it. That's finished. We surrender to Krishna, Atma is surrender to Krishna, intelligence is serving the Atma. The mind is supposed to follow the intelligence. The senses are controlled by the mind, and the senses control the dull matter which we use in Krishna's service. That's the devotional thing. But in Maya, the senses serve all matter, the mind goes after the senses, the intelligence helps the mind, and the soul is just a captive. So we're reversing it. Now we're doing the right thing. So there's no use of being proud just because we're doing the right thing, whether we should be relieved. And grateful that somebody has illuminated us. All these years we were just in illusion, all these births. Birth after birth, trying to lord it over the material energy. Now we have surrendered to Krishna. We want to use everything in Krishna's service. <clears throat> Something I'm grateful for. I'm ashamed that we missed that. We didn't do it for so long. Comes from the scriptures. Well, I don't remember what scripture it comes from, but uh, I've always heard Prabhupada uh, say it. Mukhan Karoti Bhajana, one of the Puranas. The blind, uh, the, the dumb man can become a great orator, and the lame man, Bangu Hangaya Tegiri. And cross over the mountains. 
simply by the mercy of the Guru, or by the mercy of Krishna, or by the mercy of Chaitanya. Because another verse, that I know it is in the Chaitanya Trinamita, mean, it says the same thing. Mukha Bhagavad Gita, it also says that a blind man can see the stars in the sky. It says three things. By the mercy of the Panchakatra. That's in the Chaitanya Chaitanya. But which Purana, the other? I say it because I heard my Guru say it. But I've seen it actually written in the Purana also. Well, what about the same lines then? Pangu Langayate Irin. Pangu means a, a layman. Langai means to crossover. Irin means mountains. Yaki Bhata Mahanabhate. So by the I offer my obeisances to those by whose mercy this is possible. Sri Guru Pinatarina, my Guru, who is very merciful, delivers the fallen. Or Sri uh, Chaitanya Ishwara, Lord Chaitanya, the Lord. Or Paramananda Madhava, the Lord Madhava, who is the supreme happiness. Yes? Well, why do we got this misconception and this, this disease is wrong that, that it's all kind of uncontrollable? I can't hear you very clearly. We are identifying with the body by the illusion of Maya. Because we are identifying with the body, then we think we compare our body with other people's bodies and what we do with other people do. And we think we are in the body. So self-realization means you realize that we're not the body. The body is just our machine. But we are actually the spirit soul and we're eternal servant of Krishna. When we realize that, then we come out of the illusion. The eternal identity of the soul is to be the eternal servant of Krishna. So when we realize that, then we become Because somehow or another we wanted to be independent from the war, wanted to experience something which was only available in the material world. Then we got put into a material body. Right now we're in a human body, before we were in so many different bodies. It's the human body that manages and has enough intelligence to figure out the reality under the guidance of a proper spiritual master. So 
so we can understand that we're not this body, that we're the eternal spirit soul, that the spirit soul is eternally part of Krishna, that our relative importance with other living entities is irrelevant. But what's really important is that we be under the protection and care of Krishna. And we uh, act as a biomedia for Krishna's desire to be manifested. And then our potential is unlimited. So, okay. Make sense? Sambanda. What is our relationship that I'm a servant of the Lord? When we put that into practice, that's the Abhideya. That's when we get more and more purified and glorified. And eventually that leads us to the Prayojana, which is the perfection of the ultimate, what we want to achieve. And that's the love of Krishna. So Sambanda. The first thing is understand who am I? Some people they don't understand, takes a while to figure that out. So then we just engage them in the service. And because they're acting in the proper role, even though they don't have necessarily the proper consciousness, after a while they get purified and suddenly they they slip, they slip into the oh, oh, oh yeah. Or some, most the normal way is people first understand I'm a servant of Krishna. And then they engage them, and then they engage them after that in devotional service. But sometimes you get Maya bodies who think they are gods. But they like to serve God. They want to be self-serving. <laughs> they, they don't mind serving Krishna because they think they are Krishna. For those kind of people, it's sometimes very difficult to preach to them philosophically because they're like totally short-circuited in the brain. So I think to engage them in uh, service. They don't mind doing service, some of them. In there. And then by doing service, they get purified and then eventually they realize that actually I'm one with Krishna, but I'm a really small part of Krishna, and Krishna is actually unlimited. I realize that I'm a servant of the Lord. But it takes a while for, for the Maya bodies. But some of them are not uh, very envious and they're just a good servant. For those kind of people you can engage. The envious ones are very critical of Krishna. But normally people do samadha, they realize who they are, at least theoretically, and then they practice like that, and then they finally get the full realization. So, should I again? 
from somewhere between 10 and 12, morning walk, and then from 12 to 2, probably anybody wants to see me, you can contact Sananda or... Sankara. Myself or Charge Charge oh, Tenedas. Yourself or? Charge Tenedas. Charge Tenedas. And uh, make sure you get on the list and get scheduled. <coughs> After that, too, we have lunch. Yes, um, there is a, depending on your plans, Guru Maharaj, um, obviously the Sunday feast class, and uh, there's a 7.30 question-answer session. But there are some discussions at the moment whether Guru Maharaj is here tonight or in Sydney. 50% uh, of that depends on how much we want him here. <laughs> so I guess we might just take a quick vote. How many people would like... Giving class tomorrow morning in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> okay. oh, how am I going to be here for that class? If if Brumaraj is in Melbourne, um, the plan tomorrow morning he needs to leave uh, Temple around eight o'clock at the latest. So. Uh, what we agreed with Anil Prabhu is we'd have a quarter to seven um, Guru Puja for Prabhupada, seven o'clock DT uh, greetings, and then like seven or five or so start the class and finish just before eight, and then he's off in, on, on his way to the airport. Okay, so uh, that that is assuming Guru Maharaj is in Melbourne tonight. So I guess we should be maximizing. Even at the worst case scenario that I left tonight, there would maybe have a question and answer 7 yeah. 15 till 8. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.